This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Larry Walker is in. I was so elated uh, for him, knowing him, and for Rockies fans, for the Rockies organization. So does that change perception of this Rockies organization moving forward, and we can know what we'll talk about with Todd Helton as well. Former Rockies manager Walt Weiss. You know, I, I, I felt real strongly about about Walt's case, and then he's a good friend. You know, we we go way back. We we played against each other uh, throughout the minor leagues. Obviously, we're teammates. And the Nolan Arenado upheaval. What's going on? What happened? And this is where you know the organization misses the presence uh, of a very unique leader. In, in Kelly McGregor. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. That is right. It is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. We have switched locations. We go from my bedroom to your bedroom. What do you think of my bedroom? It's much bigger than mine. That's what I think about your bedroom. And your bath, your master bathroom. Yeah. We as the, the female species is very proud of you. It's big. Large. It's large. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't used the bathtub yet. Do men take baths? Uh, wait, you think the, you'd have to ask me specifically. It's not like I go around to my buddies. <laughs> hey, dude, take a bath today, this week, this month. Do you take baths? I don't really. <laughs> I should, though. Bath is fun, right? Yeah, sure. Big enough for two. It is big enough for two, yeah. Um, You like my view? I like it's my beautiful. View. Yeah, yes. I like I've. The mountains. We live in Colorado. I've, um, I see the mountains. Yeah, it makes like your blood it. pressure go down. It does. Which we're going to talk a little bit later. Um, some Rockies fans' blood pressure is going up. We'll talk about the Nolan situation. Yes, we bit. will. Yep. I got to tell you something really quickly, which okay. has zero. Speaking of blood pressure going up, okay. all right, because it's starting to go up right now <laughs> for me. How many times? I just moved into a new place, as you know. Yeah. Right? So obviously, you know, because you're here and you've been to my old house. Right. Um, I'm on the phone all the time now getting such and such change, whether, you know, and, and different companies. I'm going to leave the yeah. companies out of this. Okay. And we all experience this, but I've had to experience it a lot lately. Yeah. Where you call up the 1-800 number to get something done for yourself, right? This is going to be terrible. It takes go. you 30 minutes to reach a human being. I know. I have screamed, literally <laughs> screamed, give me a person. Give me a human freaking being. And then you get the person. And uh -huh. the, and this, I don't want this to come across wrong. Okay. Because we outsource now, right? Yeah. So it, it they're from a different country, which is fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they speak English. Yeah. But it sometimes is with a really heavy accent. Right. And it's not always easy to understand. Yeah. It's, uh, and here's the thing, the kicker, Julie, and then I'll get off my soapbox because my blood pressure is rising. I have to look at the mountains again to come down. Okay. Okay. They always preface before they finally give you a human being, they always preface it with, we are, um, going to record this conversation <laughs> for quality purposes or quality control. Well, if you listen to the damn conversation, <laughs> You would improve down the road because there ain't no quality every time I call back. I will tell you this. This will always in these conversations because they're so fresh and you're right with all of us have had to deal with that. Ask for a manager. If you're not getting what you want, just be like, do you, can I talk to your supervisor? 
boom, and then get disconnected. But sometimes that works. I've got, sometimes that works. It doesn't always work. No, sometimes you, honestly, they hang up on you. They, they hang up on you <laughs> or they, they're kind of laughing and they, and they then change their voice and now they're a supervisor. <laughs> I'm convinced that takes place. Probably. I'm sorry, now this is Sue, Sue Jones. I'm the supervisor. How can <laughs> right. we help you, sir? Uh, on a better note, congratulations to Larry Walker, right? We did not know this was going to happen. And I thought if he didn't get in, it was going to be by a heartbreaking margin. And thank goodness, all the early signs, because they get released, it got released early. I'd heard 85%, 85%, but still there needed to be um, ballots that were counted. Thank goodness. We we're so happy, so happy for him. That is so cool. And, and I'm with you, Julie, because, yeah, the the people that revealed their ballots, it was running, as you said, around 85%. Yeah. But they said that's pretty typical. But the people that don't reveal maybe are going to be less kind to Larry. And everybody, you know, had it somewhere either side of that magic number, 75%. And even Larry said he was he was really pessimistic that he felt like he was going to end up at Larry loves threes as we know that it was he was going to end up at 70 he had a dream 73.3% uh, which would have been terrible. agonizing yeah. the great thing is number 1 as you said he made it number 2 he made it by you know a a somewhat comfortable margin given the projections he made it by 6 votes mm-hmm. and i was when i heard I was traveling, I was doing a college basketball game, and I was in the the weight room of the hotel, and I started pumping my fist in the air. I was so elated uh, for him, knowing him, mm-hmm. and for Rockies fans, for the Rockies organization, for our entire region. I thought it was just friggin' awesome. The region was ecstatic, and I think that has absolutely something to do with the fact that obviously as a Blake Street bomber, those guys are always going to be forever in our hearts, right? But also the first Colorado Rocky to get in. So does that change perception of this Rockies organization moving forward? And we can know what we'll talk about with Todd Helton as well. Does that kind of change things if he's the first to get in? You ask really good questions. I know. Do you want to co-host on a regular basis with me? Oh, no. You already do. You don't, but you are. I do. You you do. That's the right answer. Right. Um, I hope it does. I hope it does. I do think that with some of the new metrics and some of the new voters in the Baseball Writers Association, I I think they really more closely scrutinize just how great a player he was. And to your question specific to altitude baseball, they said, wait a second. His numbers out on the road, he had an OPS of 865 out on the road, which is clearly Hall of Fame worthy. It's still one of the best um, road OPSs all time of right fielders, which has always been a power position. Mm-hmm. So when they delved into the metrics and he only played, you know, I think it's 31 percent of his games at Coors Field. This guy was a Hall of Famer. I think the biggest argument you could make um, that Larry somehow was on the other side of the border would be the fact that he only played, you know, a hundred and one of my long hairs on your microphone. What are you doing? I just, that was bothering me. Oh, there was some like hair on the, yeah. Unless it's another long hair. I was making this wonderful point. You interrupted me. Anyhow, (laughs) you know, the fact that he didn't play, you know, 150 games plus every year, that's the only thing, you know, big, strong body that, that, you know, got worn down at times. But, 
I would say, Julie, um, I, I hope it does. I certainly hope it helps Todd Helton's case. What do you think about Todd getting in? Well, I, I, I think it aids it. And I also think the more we watch this stuff, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with what other guys are up in a given year? You yeah. know, this worked out Always well for Larry. in every sport. Right. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it, Always. Julie? You know, the, the, this was his last year, to, uh, Larry's last year. There was one slam dunk guy, and we'll, we'll talk about Jeter a little bit later on because you and I both want to talk about Jeter. Yeah. And we got some stories maybe to tell about Jeter. I wish I did. I know, I know, I know you wish you did. Just get in line, girl. <laughs> All right? You ain't alone. Okay, so we'll talk about... Uh, you know, we'll, obviously, we'll talk about Todd Helton and his chances. But before we we are going to talk to Walt Weiss in one second. But your book, mm-hmm. um, anything from the book about Larry Walker? There's stories. a whole chapter on Larry in my book. Thank you for that plug. And you can go to the Drew Goodman podcast dot, dot com, com website. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know my own website um, and and order the book there. And, yeah. and a number of people have. And we appreciate it. You'll get an autographed copy. Um, there's a whole chapter on Larry. And Larry was... Larry was a great character, and you're going to hear some of that in the interview you talked about that we did with with Walt Weiss. And one of my one of one of my favorite stories, he literally he didn't grow up playing baseball. He was a hockey player and a good one. He got cut, right? Well, he got cut from a really um, I you know he was on the he got cut from an elite hockey team. He grew mm-hmm. up playing you know pond hockey with Cam Neely, yeah, you know the great Boston yeah. Bruin, and. He was playing fast pitch softball as a with adults when he was like 15 years old. He was that talented, you know. Mm-hmm. He had his brothers um, and his dad that he, that he played with. So he ends up on the Canadian national team. Not, there's no high school baseball up there at the time, and so he literally, Julie, he really hadn't played much baseball. So he gets signed for like 1,500 bucks, which is next to nothing, and he's playing minor league baseball. And he's playing for Ken Brett, the late Ken Brett, George Brett's brother, who was a pitcher in the big leagues. And on a hit and run, he's at first base and he tears, you know, the ball gets, uh, you know, lined to the outfield and he's already around second, halfway to third. And the ball gets caught and he realizes that I got to get back to first. He cuts right across the field. He ran right. He said, I ran basically over the pitcher's mound. Goes, you're laughing right now because you even know, right? And he slides into first and he's safe by, by a bunch, in his mind, by a bunch. And the first baseman gets the ball and he's on the base and tags him and the umpire goes, you're out. And he goes, what do you mean I'm out? He goes, I'm here. I've been here for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and they go, you cut across the diamond. You have to retrace your steps. He <laughs> didn't hilarious. even know the ru- all the rules. That is funny. Yeah. That is funny. I'm talking about Larry Walker, you had a chance to catch up with Walt Weiss, a very good friend of his. So we're going to do that right after this. Yep. But the first thing is we tell you about Ideal Home Loans. We do it uh, every week. They've been with us since uh, we embarked on uh, our little podcast project. By the way, is this number 28 or 28? It's number 28. We always identify that. Give Ideal Home Loans a call. Brent Ivinson and his team at 303-867-7000. Again, Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000. And that is the number you call if you are, like I recently uh, used them because I bought a new house, or if you want to refinance, rates are phenomenally good right now, or if you have some debt that you'd like to uh, consolidate, they will take care of you. They'll come to your place of business. They will make it amazingly simple for you, and they're terrific at what they do, and they've been doing it for the better part of 20 years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. It's Ideal Home Loans. Their number, once again, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. 
7,000. And they also, each week, sponsor our interview of the week. And this week, we talked to the Rockies' former manager, former player, and close friend of Larry Walker's, Walt Weiss. Well, you go way back with Walk, and I, I know how excited you had to be when Larry got that call. So what was your initial reaction? I couldn't believe how nervous I was watching it. Um, you know, I guess because I, I, I'd done a lot of interviews leading up to the uh, the election. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt real strongly about, about Walk's case. And, and he's a good friend. You know, we... We go way back. We we played against each other uh, throughout the minor leagues. Obviously, we we're teammates in Colorado. Uh, we we lived near each other uh, for a season or two during those years, and so we we drive to the park together and drive home together every day. We had the same agent, so we 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 go way back. So I almost felt like I was invest, invested in that in in that selection. Uh, just because I, I I wanted him to get in so so badly, but no, I, I was nervous. Uh, I was I was and I was so excited. You know, I I was I always knew he was a great player, Goody. I always knew he was a great player. You know, people started out talking about the Hall of Fame, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Then I started digging in on the numbers, and it was, for me, it was it was a slam dunk, really. Twelfth um, all time in slugging, all time. I mean, ahead of Mays, Mantle, Aaron. 15th all-time in OPS, and I know people go to the Coors Field thing. This guy, this guy was a, a prolific player away from Coors Field. Uh, had a higher road OPS than several uh, first ballot Hall of Famers. So I just thought all all around his case was real strong. Um, and I know just with my eyes, without looking at the numbers, he, he was he was the most complete player that I ever played with. I heard you say that, and I found that really interesting because for those that have forgotten, Walt was a rookie of the year in the late 80s with a great Oakland A's club. They went on to win a World Series, and they had a dude on that team, speaking of a special talent, by the name of Jose Canseco. And uh, Canseco went 40-40 one year, special player, special talent. Yeah, he... He did, and and you make a good point, Goody. Uh, Canseco, you know, he's in that same conversation, but the, the window was too small. He, he for about two or three years there in Oakland, he was the best player on the planet. Uh, it's just that Larry did it for a longer period of time, and and Jose's skills diminished with time. Um, where, where Larry Larry had some staying power there. Walter, what do you think? Will this help diminish, from a national perspective, the Coors Field rhetoric? And specifically, what will it do for Todd Helton? You know, I wish I could sit here and say, yeah, Goody. I, I, I think maybe to a degree. I think it, it, it's something that players, you know, specifically Todd Helton, are going to have to overcome. I think Todd is going to be you – know, Todd's a Hall of Famer in my eyes, too. Um I think the fact that he played there his entire career, it'll be interesting to see how the national writers look at his career. You know, Larry at least played with two other teams and had all-star seasons, um, but away from Coors Field. But, but Todd, that's going to be, the, the I think, the biggest hurdle for Todd, the fact that he played his entire career in Colorado. Um, but you and I both know the guy's a Hall of Famer. 
but that that it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think it, I think it does help to a degree to answer your question, but I, I still think that stigma is going to be there. I agree with you. Todd Todd is a Hall of Famer. Now you and I are the same age, and when I was growing up, and when you were growing up, to get into the Hall of Fame before all of the new metrics that that help evaluate players. To me, I was told by my dad and, and by others that if you dominated your era, if you were one of the dominant players of your era and, and played long enough, then you were probably a Hall of Fame player. And that was, again, before you know WOBA and WRC Plus and, and WAR and all the new metrics. You had to pass the eyeball test. No, you're exactly right. Um, he was at the top of the game and certainly at his position – for a long period of time. And like you say, the defensive side too, Goody, I think which gets overlooked in these types of conversations. Todd, what, Todd first base, you know, you, people don't really usually talk about defensive first base, but people that have played the game know how important it is, and that it's, it's, it's uh, more difficult than people realize. Todd, I would say Todd was elite at first base, as a first baseman, one of the best I saw at, at, at digging throws out of the dirt. It was almost automatic. Um, so again, watching we got to watch him for a long time. You and I, there's no doubt he's a Hall of Famer. But it'll be interesting to see how, how, the, how the, the the national writers look at his career. Hey, no question. You know, this is probably a subject for a different day. Uh, but first base, so many people think, oh, just throw the guy that's you know little long in the tooth or doesn't move that well anymore. Just throw him over at first base. Uh, go tell that to somebody like yourself who plays on the left side of the diamond. Exactly right. No, that, that's that's critical for, like you said, particularly on the left side of the infield. Having a good first baseman, man, it frees you up as an infielder to try to finish plays that you might not ordinarily try. Uh, you know when that the guy, you got a guy on the other end that's going to pick you up. Not to mention Bunty and cuts, et cetera. Larry Walker was old school in a lot of ways, and I know we throw that term around, but for me, not only did he become a Hall of Famer, as we just found out, but he was also a Hall of Fame character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, that, that came through loud and loud and clear uh, with his outfit yesterday on, on uh, right. <laughs> when, he, when he got the call. He, he, anyone that's been around him knows he's a, he's a colorful guy. Quick wit, uh, loves to have a good time, and that was that was part of his, his appeal, you know. As a teammate, you love being around the guy because you know you're going to laugh. And but he was very intelligent, very intelligent. Not only not only uh, in a baseball IQ sense, but just in general, had a very sharp mind and saw things usually at a different level than most of us. Um, but Definitely a free spirit. I think there's a lot of George Brett in Walker in, in a number of ways. Um, you know, George was a was a, a free spirit too, and, and loved to have a good time. But but um, no, he he was a fun guy to be around. Walker always made me laugh. He made a lot of people laugh. He could be really self deprecating. Uh, he told me once, and I put this in the in the book the the story about had he you know, not made it in baseball or hockey that he'd be, you know, working at the bowling alley across the street from his house. Not that there's anything wrong with working at a bowling alley, but Walk's a sharp guy and uh, kind of coy a little bit. 
Yeah, no, he tried to downplay everything. Even even a great performance on a particular night, you know, he tried to downplay it with the writers after the game. Uh, that's that's just who he was. He 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 played the uh, the regular guy really well. He absolutely did. Hey, I want to segue a little bit. Obviously, the biggest story prior to Walker and Derek Jeter getting into the Hall of Fame was the sign stealing deal with Houston, and it affected, obviously, Alex Cora in Boston and Carlos Beltran and the New York Mets. You were one of the most cerebral players of your era, and you had a great reputation, maybe people don't realize this, for being able to not only steal signs, but pick up on when pitchers were tipping pitches. But again, you did it the old-fashioned way, watching repetitively with your eyeballs and and, and noticing little, little idiosyncrasies. So how offended were you by what took place down in Houston? Yeah, you know, um, it's tough on the swallow. I, look, there, 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 there's good people involved in this thing. Um, I understand that. And, and, and guys that, that I like. But everybody knows that they crossed the line when they started using technology. Look, Goody, I mean, they're, 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 the, the temptation was there for everybody. When, once sure. the play came into effect and there was monitors around the dugout, if, if, you, if you thought just a little bit, you didn't have to think long and hard. You right. could start to concoct a, uh, some kind of system, you know, if you wanted to go down that road where you can try to take, uh, you know, gain an advantage illegally. Um, you just you, you just don't do it, and and you, you don't go there. Uh, for for the Astros to carry it out in the elaborate way that they were doing, and there's a lot of thought and there's a lot of deviance in, in what was going on. Um, it, it, it's not it's not it's not a good situation, uh, certainly for them, uh, but 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 for our game. You know, I pointed this out with Julie on the podcast last week. I, I know A.J. Hinch and Alex Cora a little bit, and they're good people. They really are. They made a, a critical mistake. They got caught up. I hope they do get a second opportunity down the road. I agree. I agree. No, real good guys, good baseball guys, smart guys. I think it's probably one of those things that once it got up ahead of steam, it was probably tough tough to stop. I mean, you now look, as a manager – you know, you have the final say, and I think AJ that that came through in his comments, and that's one of his biggest regrets. You can stop it as a manager. You're 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 the guy in charge, so you can put your foot down. It's going to stop. I just think that thing got such a head of steam, and got the snowball got rolling down the hill that yeah. um, you know it just became part of what they were doing at the time. Well, rumors were flying recently that uh, Nolan Arenado could be a Cardinal, could be a Texas Ranger, could be an Atlanta Brave. And I'm sure when you heard that, your ears perked up because, after all, you managed him and have a very close relationship with him. Well, I think any time uh, you hear that a player of Nolan's caliber may be available, I think the phone was probably ringing off the hook because he's one of the best players in the game. I put him right up there with the, the best of the best when you talk about Trout and Machado and Harper and all these guys. No one's in that conversation. So, hey, I, heck, I, I, I'd love to be teammates with him again, believe me. Um, but it, it's tough to pull off a trade uh, for a player like that. Those things are really difficult to do. But... Um, you know, Nolan's, Nolan's, 
Nolan's going to be a great player regardless of where he is. And uh, I wish the best for him because uh, I have a special connection with the guy. Walt, thanks, brother. It's always good catching up. Safe travels. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Goody. I appreciate it. Take care. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. Obviously, you can hear that Walt Weiss, very happy for his buddy, Larry Walker. Now, Walt Weiss, though, I mean, he's not out of the game. No, Walt's very much in the game. Walt, yeah. Walt's the bench coach for Brian Snitker, and, you know, he kind of referenced that um, with the Atlanta Braves. We know mm-hmm. they have a really talented team, and as you as you heard, when some of those rumors were flying that Nolan could get traded to Atlanta, um, as I said, his his ears certainly perked up, and you know he loves he loves Nolan, and who wouldn't want to have Nolan uh, on their team? But Walt, Julie, Walt, and I, he, there's a chapter in there on all the managers in in the in the book, and and I spent some time talking about Walt. He's one of my all time favorite people. You talk about a good guy and a tough guy and a well respected guy. That's Walter. So we are going to talk. I know everybody wants to hear about, especially your take on Nolan Arenado. We are going to talk about Nolan. But before we get that, you did mention Derek Jeter, which we both get a smile on our face, I guess, for different reasons. I mean, you. you <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, I, uh, Derek, <laughs> Derek's a handsome guy. I, you know, I'll everything, admit that everything he does, as we've talked about turns to gold in in life right well except for with the marlins right i, I got well with the marlins a little a little different now and yeah. as part of the ownership group and he he got rid of some you know That's famous it. people and, and andre yeah. dawson and tony perez and and you know they they changed out their television group you know my my counterpart uh rich Walsh, who's a terrific announcer you know was let go i don't know how much Derek had to do with that but he's trying to change the whole image of the Marlins and uh, it's probably the first time he's ever taken any criticism but you go back to his life and I'm going to ask you a question is there an athlete off the top of your head that has lived a more charmed life than the Hall of Fame shortstop number two Derek Jeter that is a that's a really good question because think about where he played and if you're a darling in New York City, you are a darling everywhere, right? And that's such a, that can be such a brutal place to be. But he was beloved there. I mean, he got women gift baskets after he dated them. Like, you, you got to love that. Right? Let's think about this, Julie. Just yeah. think about a couple things. He grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He mm-hmm. wanted one thing in life. He wanted to be the shortstop of the New York Yankees. Well, listen, every kid just about in America wants to play professional sports and if you grow up as a baseball fan you want to play professional baseball oh the most iconic franchise maybe in all of sports the new york yankees in the world and you could make that case yeah pretty strongly and he plays shortstop for the new york yankees for 20 years yeah and for 20 years everything he does i mean he wins five world championships how about this on he gets three thousand hits which immediately you know gives you a stamp into cooperstown his 3,000th hit is a home run. Yeah. It's not a bloop single to right center. It's a homer. His last hit at Yankee Stadium in a tie game drives in the winning run. I mean, everything he did was like magical, right? Mm-hmm. And then to your point, which you care about far more importantly, uh, or, or far it's far of greater importance to you than you know what he did on the field, mm-hmm. is the fact that he is dating supermodels and actresses 
And yet for 20 years, there's in New York City, living in Manhattan, there's no dirt on him. Not one back page of the New York Post or page six of the Daily News where it said, oh, Jeter, you know, caught in this situation or that situation. None of that. And yet, you know, every one of his girlfriends in 18 car pileup. Not only a Hall of Fame player, he's had a Hall of Fame life, right? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And then I was watching the press conference. Did you watch any of the press conference Mm -mm, in New York Mm -mm. with him and Walk? And Walk was great. Walk, Mm -hmm. you know, Walk has such a dry wit and he's funny. Derek Jeter has this inimitable style of, of giving you just enough that you smile and you feel good. And he's got the, you know, the beautiful smile and he's so, you know, well spoken and you realize, you know, he doesn't really let you in and he didn't let anybody in too deeply in 20 years, but everything's perfect. A PR firm could not have, have written out and carved out an outline uh, to follow better than Derek Jeter did on his own. Uh, speaking of a PR firm, I would say a PR firm would be fired for, well, let's just say the PR on all ends for this Nolan Arenado is not good in this Nolan Arenado situation. So we'll take you back to, I think it was last Monday, Jeff Bredich, I think the general manager talked to the Denver Post and said, no one's going to be on the team. Come spring training, you know, he we expect him to be in Scottsdale and we're moving forward. That day, Nolan comes out and he says, well, I feel, I basically said, I feel disrespected by them. I think that was the big, then Nolan since then has come out and said, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about this again. Like I, I, it goes very much against my character to talk about things in public, which when I did read that about Nolan, I thought, oh, that's very unnolan like right? To say that. So people want to know, I think generally your take on this whole situation and kind of where we are now, what, what, what's going on? What happened? You know, my, my first reaction was that, well, not good. You know, you, you never want these things played out in public. Is this the first time there's been a rift between a star player and a front office in any sport? Of course not. But you never want it played out in public. And this is where, and there's probably blame to go around on both sides, but this is, this is where I think um, at times like this where the Rockies miss, you know, we had Taylor on last week, Taylor McGregor, uh, the, her, her late dad, because Kelly could get in a room, I think, with, with all parties concerned and calm the waters, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I, I, that was my initial reaction was kind of twofold, Julie, that you don't want this playing out in public. And and this is where, you know, the organization misses the presence uh, of a very unique leader in, in Kelly McGregor. And I think, you know, if, if Dick Monfort was sitting here with us, he would say, you know, the same thing. And, you know, other thoughts on this. Um, when you look at Nolan and and a lot of athletes sometimes say use the term disrespected. I I really don't like when superstar athletes who are exceptionally well paid use that term. And I love and I love Nolan because I, it, you, you jump yeah, in. Yeah, I, I I've heard other people say that it doesn't matter how much money you make, you still can feel like you're somebody disrespects you. It doesn't. Being respected doesn't just mean the money that you make, the paycheck that you get. It's how you're treated as a human being. Yeah, but how was he, you know, I, We I don't say, know that. We don't know how. Right, we're not privy to everything. But, you know, if it comes down to, 
you know, the the rumors that he thought the Rockies would do more in, in this offseason, that he was rightfully upset with how last year went and, mm-hmm. and any anybody within the organization would concur. Last year was a, was a terrible year. You know, after two playoff years, they went 71 games. Didn't go, you know, most things that could go wrong last year went wrong. So how were the Rockies going to address it? And and we know the Rockies have not made, you know, any moves in the offseason, but it's not altogether different from what they stated 48 hours after the season was over. They said, you know, we're, they didn't come out and say they're 10th in payroll, but that's what they are. And they said, you know, we're going to probably hold firm with our payroll right now. And I'm paraphrasing what Dick Monfort and Jeff Bright had said at the time, you know, they would potentially, you know, try to, to make some, some more subtle type of moves, but there wasn't going to be big, you know, big, you know, splash. Now, right. next year, they said the, the regional television money kicks in in the New Deal, and so there's a greater revenue stream. I think the issue, I think for Rockies fans, and there are some people that have said the same thing, like that's not the proper word when you're getting paid $260 million. I think the issue is, what was he talking about? And neither side, no, no one's done talking, and I think we know enough about Jeff Breidich that he's not going to open up about it. I guess the question is, is... Can they fix it? Can they fix it where it's healthy? How is this going to be a major like when Tulo, it's different, but it reminds you a little bit about Tulo when he was unhappy, you kind of knew where that was going. Can they fix it enough where you go? Okay, this is not going that the Tulo way, because I think there's a fear that it's going the Tulo way. Well, I mean, one of the things that Jeff came out and said a few days ago that you alluded to is that, you know, there was, there was not a deal that, you know, pleased them enough. Again, I'm paraphrasing and that Nolan's going to, you know, be in the purple and in black, you know, to begin the season. So let's see where it goes from now and let's see from here and let's see if the relationship can be repaired and, and how we've all seen where somebody gets upset and then you you look back and go, oh, yeah, I remember he was upset and that person was upset and then they move merrily along. And that's what you – listen, if you're a Rockies fan, I don't want to see Nolan gone. No. I, I mean, he's, he's a future Hall of Famer. We started the show talking about Larry Walker. Nolan Arenado is on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and he won't – listen, if he has three or four more years like he's already had, three to five more years like that, mm-hmm. he won't wait 10 years to get in the Hall of Fame. He's going to get in early, and it's not going to be a, a, a controversy, to, you know, in terms of you know what were his numbers at Coors Field, what were his numbers uh, out on the road. Do I want to see him retire, a Rocky? Absolutely. I, I think the Rockies front office would like to see him retire, a Rocky. And the bottom line is for Nolan and for fans and for the front office, you want to win. And they have to find a way to bounce back from a seventy-one win season. There is still plenty of talent. And, you know, we'd all like to see them play a whole lot more like they played in 2018 than than they played in 2019. We'll see how it plays out. But um, I I think the worst part of it was it became a public um, argument, disagreement, and that's never good when that happens. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really it's just I just really hope it gets worked out because I think a lot of people feel Tula was liked here. Nolan's beloved. Really, there's a difference. And so I think when Tula started talking about wanting to get out, and, you know, Nolan hasn't said that. There were some people that said good riddance. I don't know too many people that 
want Nolan to leave, like you just said. So obviously that's what's hot when uh, we talk about Denver sports. And of course, what's hot is brought to you by Boyer's Coffee, one of the official sponsors of our podcast. And you know, I love Boyer's Coffee. I sup there almost every day because it's near my work. If you did not know, Boyer's is homegrown and we love supporting Colorado companies. It's been roasting coffee in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. They are slow roasted at altitude, which we love that. They have Roastmasters. That's kind of a cool gig to be a Roastmaster. Well, not, uh, the coffee's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, you know, just like we always talk about I- ideal home loans was spawned here. You and I feel strongly about supporting local businesses, and we love that both of these businesses are attached to the home team, the Rockies, yeah. and and we really love that they're attached to us, too. Exactly. If you haven't been there, 1795 Washington Street, it's their, their home base is in um, an old schoolhouse, which is cool. Of course, you can also find them um, in the coffee aisle at your local supermarket. And that's where I get my boys as well. But the flavor of the month is amaretto until it runs out. And I may personally make it run out because I get it every time I go there. You're always there because you and I talk a couple times a day. And, and I would say that <laughs> half the time, literally, that I talk to you, you're on Washington at Boyer's. <laughs> and I like going up there, too. So um if you're in the neighborhood or if you're not, make your way on up there. And you know what we want to talk about? What's actually what's hot as we end this podcast? Our next podcast is going to be at the Maven Hotel, which is the official hotel of the Colorado Rockies. If you have not been there, it's where it's the milk market, the dairy block, which is like a food hall right um, on about 18th and Wazi. And the Maven Hotel, I stayed there for my big birthday, actually, a few months ago. It's a boutique hotel. It's fabulous. It is fantastic. It's like a great place for a staycation. So we're doing our next podcast on Monday, the 27th at six o'clock at the Maven. And we're going to do our a, a live podcast there. And also after that, you're going to be signing books. If people want an autograph copy, the Maven has agreed to give away a stay there, which is fantastic. Boyer's Coffee is going to be there. It's a chance for you, the listener to come down and interact with us. I am so excited about that. Um, I love the Maven. It's a boutique hotel. It is really classy. It's as, special. As part of Julie's month-long celebration of her <laughs> 39th birthday, um, you know, in addition to going to Santa Barbara, you spent spent a week, you said a night, you spent a week at the Maven. But yeah, come on down. We're going to have fun uh-huh. that evening at the Maven. Again, it's Monday the 27th. Six um, o'clock. Six o'clock. Yep. And we're going to do our show and we're going to have a lot of fun things uh, going on there. And um, I have a feeling you, after it's going to turn into a and a It could turn into and we'll do I that. I want right? to do Let's do a Q&A. Let's do a Q&A there. We'll have we'll yeah. have fun with uh, with the with the audience that uh, shows up and you may even win a night at the Maven. Yeah. And that's a unique place. It it's really fantastic. is. fantastic. I cannot wait. So the Maven next Monday night on the 27th, six o'clock, come down, say hi, join us, get a book, maybe win the night at the Maven. It's going to be great. So, um, but real quick. Yes. The Super Bowl, it's a, is coming up. That's the, that's when the two best teams in the NFL play each other. Yes. And, um, the 49ers and chiefs, we're not surprised, right? No, no. that's what we picked. We did. And my early prediction, and we'll talk about this more next week, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. They're one and a half point favorite. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's I think it's going to be a fabulous game. There are going to be some points scored because anytime Patrick Mahomes is involved, there are going to be some points scored and San Francisco has the ability to score some points. And we'll talk more about that from the Maven. Exactly. We will see you next week at the Maven Monday night. Oh, yeah.